0: The Alaska Powerline Podcast is generously supported by GenPAC. As a stocking electric utility distributor, GenPAC has been taking care of customers in the Pacific Northwest since 1965. With a strong customer focus and dedicated sales staff, they have built lasting relationships by providing quality products with value-added services. Now with a new Anchorage warehouse and a dedicated Alaska sales and support team, GenPAC is ready to take care of their Alaska customers for years to come. Visit them at www.genpack.com for more information. Genpack, taking care of our customers since 1965. Welcome to Alaska Powerline, the podcast of Alaska Power Association, the statewide trade association for electric utilities in Alaska. On Alaska Powerline, we talk about issues facing Alaska's electric utilities, interview a wide range of guests, and demystify what it takes to provide power in the last frontier. Welcome back to the Alaska Powerline podcast. I'm Michael Rovito, Deputy Director of Alaska Power Association, and we're excited today to welcome our guest, Manny Lopez, Land Services Manager at Matanuska Electric Association. Manny, welcome.
1: Thank you, Michael. I appreciate being here and hope we can bring some value.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So once power is generated at the power plant, it has to get to the consumers, obviously. And that's done by way of power lines. And those power lines have to live in something called rights-of-way. And that's what we're here to talk about today is is electric utility rights-of-way. So Manny, just kind of at the basic level, can you just tell us what is a right-of-way? Right. Of way? Uh, right.
1: Um, well, a right-of-way is basically a, a a interest in land, somebody, other people's land, where we have a right to install a distribution line or a transmission line and get uh, power, or electricity, or from point A to point B, and it can be any number of different directions.
0: So we see these kind of all over the place if you're if you're looking. And I know that I mean, I, so I guess they're on public land, private land, state. It seems like they cross all sorts of of land, but there's an agreement there, right? Or is there some sort of implicit? ability to, to get those lines across that land? How does that work?
1: Yeah, good question. So uh, most things that people, most rights and way that people are familiar with are the easement that is on their property. And those easements are created usually by, by a document that the landowner at the time signs, and then that le- easement lives on forever. It's perpetual. Um, but there's also other kinds of easements that, that are created from agencies, um, you know, the BLN, it gives us it's an easement, but it's called an out grant. And, uh, you know, the municipalities and the boroughs, the cities, they, they have different kinds of easements. And, you know, sometimes they're more in line of permits, but they can issue one or, one or the other. So there's there's quite a few types of rights of way uh, available to, for our use that we go after and try and, and, and get authorized entry.
0: Now, at Matanuska Electric Association, which is the co-op that you work for and the co-op that provides me power, so thank you very much for uh, <laughs> for doing that for me every day, you have um, largely, I think, above-ground lines, but are there some buried lines as well for M- in MEA service territory?
1: Uh, there are. You, you, now, you, you can bury transmission lines, but it's extremely expensive. Uh, so most of our power lines are our overhead on utility poles and then in, in some areas, for example, in the municipality of Anchorage, uh, Eagle River is part of the NEA service area. There is an underground ordinance where they would like us, MEA, to and other utilities as well, to to bury its distribution lines. And so we have an annual program in the municipality of Anchorage and the Eagle River area to take what are now existing overhead lines and then we bury them. So there's some of that, but usually in Alaska, overhead transmission lines are, um, not, not going to happen for a while. It would cost us too high.
0: Yeah. And so is a buried power line right of way the same as an above ground? Does it have the same, I know there's not the, the clearing aspect of it, of the vegetation, but does it have like kind of the same principles of how you, um, locate that line below ground as if, and as opposed to if you located it above ground?
1: Yeah, um, our easements, MBA's easements, and uh, typically for most most other utilities, um, you have the right to you, you establish or you acquire rights to uh, to do overhead or underground types of installation. And most of that, when you go look at a document easement, it'll it'll have, say something like. Um, uh, well, right here it says I'm reading. I'm cheating here. So, with all right and authority to construct, upgrade, reconstruct, we phase, and to operate and maintain on, over, or under um, the the described land. So we can we can change these uh, from time to time. So,
0: yeah. Hey, we're all about cheating and looking off the document here at, uh, at APA to get it right. <laughs> yeah. So I was wondering about about clearing because so often, you know, the the one of the most visible parts of an electric utility right of way is if you see the crew out there, and they're clearing vegetation and they're they're making sure that there's nothing within that right of way. I guess first for for the listeners, generally, how wide is a right of way for an above ground line? Is there is there a number of feet that it is out generally for for this clearance?
1: Yes. Uh, So for a distribution line, uh, an overhead distribution line, we typically have 15 feet from center line or a total of 30 feet. So the center line of the power line and 50 feet either side. And if these power lines are buried, then we don't need as much area. So those would be 10 feet from center line or 20 feet.
0: Okay. And I know uh, at least in the valley where I live, a lot of times those uh, power lines have four-wheeler tracks underneath them. But I don't know... uh, Uh, I don't know what M E A thinks about that of, of people riding their four up and underneath the power line.
1: Yeah, that that's a, a forever problem for any utility. Once you create a, a easement area, a right of way, and you clear the trees off of it, and so back to your other question, do we clear our rights of way? We do. M E A has a seven year program where once every seven years we go back and we clear. Our existing easements where there are um, distribution power lines in them. If they're underground, we're clearing twenty feet. If they're overhead, we're clearing uh, thirty feet. Um, and that's 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 typical. It's the rights for that are contained inside of the easements that we acquire from from, from landowners and also from you know agencies wherever that is. Uh, but one of the things that I think you were hedging on, like if I can read between the lines here, is uh you know are danger trees and in the lower 48 in california there was these vast fires uh, a few years ago where people lost millions of dollars worth of property and there was you know just a big problem we look at that and a part of that um was the result of not being able to get off of their their 20 foot or 30 foot wide right away to clear what are danger trees and these are trees that are not on uh, on on the easement itself, that they are big enough, they're tall enough, that if in a windstorm or if they are older trees and they and they break and fall over, they could end up resting on top of a power line and cause a fire. So we do have uh, we cooperate with um, the state division of forestry. They have a danger tree program and we coordinate this with them and all, all the other utilities where we go, where MEA, then uh, actually NEA has a very active program to go in and ask for special permission from landowners to on a temporary um, access permit to get off of our established right of way and remove some of those danger trees. And that's, we started doing that pretty aggressively, you know, four or five years ago. And it's a program that is uh, now uh, a big part of of the right of way clearing that we do right now.
0: And as I, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, but if if a uh, you know uh, a homeowner, a property owner sees a, a danger tree that could fall into the lines, and they call up MEA or I think any utility in the state, generally you will remove that tree free of charge for the homeowner. Is that correct?
1: That is that is true. We we receive a lot of uh, notifications from landowners and. Um, messages to basically come look at a tree they believe that is a potential hazard. And, uh, we and we'd have our crews will go out and remove those. Um, I think of several right offhand out in Eagle River, Chugach area that we've looked at along transmission lines, and and, um, and we we do have a very active program, and the number of trees that need to re- be removed accumulates. So. Uh, it, it takes a while to to get out and clear all of them if somebody calls we're not going to be able to depends on the level how critical it is if the tree is actually resting on the power line we're going to go out way. Anyway. but if we're also trying to put everything in queue and so we'll, we're getting to those kinds of removals as fast as we can but it could take um you know several weeks in some cases
0: so it seems like a good message to the public, if you're listening, if you see a tree that's on your property that you think might become a problem, and might fall into the power line or the right-of-way, uh, get with your local electric utility and let them know about it so they can come out and take care of it, right? Yeah,
1: yes. Yeah, please do.
0: Now, you mentioned, um, a, l- just go back real quick to the clearing. So, I mean, electric utility can legally control what's happening inside their right-of-way. And this kind of goes to the problem tree outside the right-of-way as well. But you talked about a seven-year clearing schedule. and So how do you make a determination kind of where you're going? Are you looking at uh, GIS data? Are you looking at growing seasons? How do you make this determination about how you clear out the, the right of ways?
1: Yeah, good question. Well, we do we do try and take advantage of, I mean, we're moving, the technology is moving forward. We, we do use GIS um, wherever possible. Uh, the, the MEA's tariff territory is divided into uh, segments, and we... Uh, to zones and those zones are on a schedule and uh, every seven years we, we come back and visit that that zone so we and, and it's not all concentrated in one area it kind of varies uh, throughout the, our tariff territory uh, in the borough and in eagle river to area and we're out every every summer we, we have two clearing crews that um, are out doing this kind of work our linemen and we also have uh, contractors that do a lot of the clearing for us.
0: Okay, interesting. So, and you know, and one of the things that you had talked about with the um, the the problem trees or the hazard trees outside of the right of way is wind or storms. But what does the snow load do as well? I I know that there there's a lot of snow on a lot of these areas. Does that really weigh down some of these trees and cause them to bend into the right of way?
1: Um, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, we there are. I mean, snow loading is a problem. Um, you know, engineering-wise, I'm not an engineer, let me state, state that first, of all, first off, but there's minimum height uh, to power lines. Uh, you Typically 18 feet would be the minimum height, but during the winter time, there's ice buildup on power lines and they start to sag more. <clears throat> From an engineering perspective, we try and put these power lines up high enough that the, the sag isn't getting us below the minimum height requirement. But there are areas that where this happens because of aging, because the infrastructure is uh, probably due to be replaced and replaced with new um, new power lines. It, uh, so we we do focus on on um, those types of things from an engineering perspective, and we are out uh, replacing those power lines and doing upgrades where we can, putting in taller poles in some cases. And uh, yes, you know we we're pretty well aware of it and are Working actively to to fix these kinds of problems.
0: And we talked about um, a a couple minutes ago about you know homeowners or property owners working with the co op if there's a a trouble tree or hazard tree on their property. But what happens if you know say that the uh, the co op's uh, clearing crew is in the right of way and they they see a tree that's outside the right of way on a private property, for instance, and they say, "Boy, that's that's a problem tree. It could cause some hazards." And they go to the homeowner and they. Explain it to them, or the property owner, and the property owner says you can't touch it. I guess the the utility can't really do anything, right? Because it's outside the legal right of way.
1: That's true. Uh, we we always see, we seek permission from the landowner. Sometimes it's right there in the field, and it's obvious that the tree needs to be um, laid down. Um, and then a lot of times, and you know, it's private property we're talking about in most cases. And and if a landowner uh, objects to the removal of what we call danger trees, these hazard trees. Um, then that's true. We don't have the right to get off of our property. We, I mean, we could push uh, some access concerns here, but uh, it it is a liability for for the co-op, and as a result, it's also a liability for the landowner.
0: Yeah, it seems like quite the challenge because I know you know you mentioned that the right of way is thirty feet wide in total, fifteen feet from the center pole on each side, and it seems like to avoid any sort of uh, danger trees on private property from falling in, you'd have to have, you know, like a hundred foot wide easement. And I don't think anybody wants that. And it's probably very expensive. And you also mentioned bearing lines is expensive too. So it seems like the 30 foot right away is is proper and, and and works, but it has some of its risks too, just because of the size and, and kind of the hazards around it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, we've looked at uh, from a number of different perspectives over the last twenty, thirty years of doing this kind of work. The the one proverbial question that keeps coming up is, well, how, what is what should a standard right-of-way width be? Um, and some engineering studies have said, well, if you want to have electric utility and gas utility and sewer and water and uh, sidewalks, and then you want to have the shoulder, you know, pathways. The, the typical right-of-way width would be, you know, over 100 feet wide, and nobody wants to commit, you know, some lots, an acre lot, that's that's a big portion of the lot. So we, we operate with that 30 feet or 20 feet wide right of way, and we share that right of way with, another, with other utilities, with telecommunications and with natural gas. And we try and limit how much of an impact we have on the property, because ultimately that belongs to somebody. It's where their home is. And we want to be respectful of that. Yet, you know, stay stay within, like, like I say, stay in our lanes, you know, basically provide the service that we want as safely
0: as we can. Yeah, and I know that, uh, you know, and I'm biased here because electric utilities in the state are, are our members at Alaska Power Association, but I know that your crews do a great job. And even near my own neighborhood, I can see that uh, that schedule because it seems like right when the vegetation is getting, you know, growing into the point where it seems like it needs to get scaled back, your crew comes right down and scales it back away from that electric infrastructure and keeps, you know, the power reliable and safe in my neighborhood. So that's, that's a great job for all of you that, that you're doing.
1: Well, thank you. Appreciate that. And I'll definitely convey that to our teams. We we speak with them on a daily basis, our our tree clearing crews, and they, they discover lots of concerns out in the field and we research and form and establish what the rights would be on that property to do clearing. And uh, so our crews are very busy. They're working with us in the right-of-way area and then they're out in the field, you know, face-to-face with landowners and um, yeah, they do a great job. they you know, we appreciate everything that uh, our linemen do, and yeah, keeping us all safe,
0: many, that that kind of brings up another question. Um, you know, how how have things changed over the years in terms of maintaining the rightways? And I ask because, you know, we see the climate is changing, and there's, you know, sometimes longer growing seasons or maybe, Different um, impacts on how vegetation has grown. Have you seen, in your time working in this area, um, any sort of changes, whether you know it's uh, either outside of the control, maybe weather-related changes or anything along those lines that has impacted the way that uh, an electric cooperative or, or electric utility has to maintain their rights of way?
1: Well, that, that's an interesting question. Um, I like climate impacts. I, I think that we see more forests fires uh you know and in alaska is a little bit different though you know we have our climate is the alaskan climate and we have force fires caused by lightning strikes and those types of things and um i I think in alaska maybe that hasn't changed too much i think we've always been diligent um, as not just mea but other utilities and taking care of their rights away and making sure that uh, we're fire safe but you know, climate change, probably some folks are going to say that that has a big, big impact in the lower 48. And yeah, that probably has an effect on, on their program and uh, how uh, critical it is for them to clear their rights away and get rid of those danger trees. Um, we we learn lessons from it at MEA. We study those, those uh, situations in lower 48 and we avail ourselves of the changes that they're making. So we implement uh new ideas all the time and uh work to to keep trees our rights of way clear and danger trees to uh, as minimal as we can where our landowners allow us to do that and i should say that the state um and local agencies are part of a task force that was set up by the uh, state forestry division and uh in the borough Matsu borough has been very diligent about um about their programs and you know so when, when we clear trees lots of folks use firewood and there's a lot of other things that are ancillary to right-of-way clearing there were people the the local residents of an area can get the benefit of some of that firewood and those types of things so we're recording we're coordinating at a number of different levels with the other agencies
0: and the landowners. Yeah, I know that's that's definitely interesting in terms of one of the seven cooperative principles for an electric cooperative is you know concern for community and I've seen some of the notifications from MEA before where they'll say we're doing some right of way clearing in this area and there's firewood available and kind of sets out how you can get it. So it's a great kind of also kind of uh, another service to the community that the co-op is providing there when they do those sorts of activities. Let's, let's talk a little bit about um, how, how exactly the right-of-way is cleared. I mean, are we talking people with chainsaws or are there some fancy uh, gizmos or machines that go out there and do it? I know that it's obviously a hazardous uh, profession, but although everyone does it very safely. I, I know that. But is there um, kind of what are the tools of the trade, so to speak, to, to keep these rights away clear and keep them safe and reliable?
1: We upgrade our equipment uh, pretty regularly. I don't know if you've seen some of the equipment we use nowadays. It's a giant, basically circular saw on the end of a boom, and it's safe for the linemen to use. And basically, they drive down the edge of the right-of-way and they they cut everything. Uh, And just look at some of these right-of-ways, and they're so straight and cleanly cut, it looks good um they they have we have that kind of equipment and then we have other equipment that will grind uh logs and branches and chip them in place a lot of the agencies prefer that we chip uh, uh, anything less than say six inches in diameter and that stays in place so it becomes becomes part of the environment um and in in some areas we with we um we will cut up logs and down to uh, lanes of you know say four feet to eight feet big enough or small enough to stay for folks that want firewood to be able to come by and pick up that kind of firewood and and haul it away so and that's done by hand a lot of that trimming is hand done and then we are sensitive to are where we are we can be in people's yards that are landscaped with other ornamental types of trees and lawns and we don't really want to bring that big heavy equipment in there and create any ruts it happens not not intentionally and so we work pretty hard to to restore any areas that we've been to um you know removing rutting or repairing landscaping wherever necessary part of landscaping is also fences so Uh, we work with landowners to at least to be able to have gates where we can get through a property on our easement and clear those rights away and then we leave and lock the gates up yeah
0: and and just for a visual for folks and manny correct me if i'm wrong but i've seen some of these kind of sky trim machines and it's it's literally an arm with a circular saw blade on the end of it and you know obviously it drives and there's a cockpit that somebody sits in and it looks like you just drive it along, and you know goes up and down the uh, the right of way and cuts things up, you know, like up those tall trees, down those tall trees, and then it all falls down and in, into the the ground. There is that a pretty accurate description of that machine.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're dead dead on on that. That that uh, it's a pretty cool piece of equipment, and like I said, that, that piece keeps linemen out of having to climb up the trees or be in the trees somehow, and uh, it's a lot safer for everybody. It's faster. Um, more efficient, and we get a you know a, a better straighter uh, line along our rights way so we can delineate them a little better.
0: It's definitely interesting how um, high tech and safe things have become. I have a poster in my office here that shows line worker safety year from the year 1875 through present, and you know of course in 1875 they were just kind of wearing. Leather pants and and, and and hoping for the best. And now, you know, everyone has high, real high-tech safety equipment that's been um, developed over the years. And it seems like for the right-of-way clearing crew, that's something that's really come to the fore to make their job um, a, a lot more safer. Even though they have to be careful, but it seems like the the newer technology is making things a lot more safe and, and maybe even a lot more efficient as they go up and down these right-of-ways and and cut back the vegetation.
1: Yeah. No. No. I, I, there, like I said, there's a there's a lot of uh, effort that is put into clearing those rights away, and uh, you know, ultimately, every utility, MEA especially, wants uh, uh, safe and reliable power to to provide that to all its its members.
0: Well, Manny, we have about five minutes left, and so I, I was curious. You're the land services manager there at MEA, and so w- what does your job entail? I mean, what what do you do, and what is I won't I won't say an average day because I know in in our business an average day isn't necessarily average all the time. But but what are you doing there at, at MEA that plays into the greater um, the greater effort for the safe, reliable, and affordable energy?
1: At this point, actually, for MEA, we're looking at adding. Uh, Some new transmission alignments and, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, preliminary engineering work that goes on before that. We talk to landowners and there's public meetings and a number of things that are fostered by by MEA. We hire contractors that work for us that do some of these things, gather the information. Uh, but from uh, right from a basic level in uh, right of way, uh, we look at we do a lot of land uh, title analysis. We try and find easements and use those uh, where we can, rather than creating new easements. Where from uh, we basically want to use what's already available. So these would be section line easements and those types of uh, rights of way or permitting through other agencies before we approach private landowners and ask them to help us uh, you know, fill the gaps in and between with private easements. But we do a lot of land title analysis and appraisal work, trying to figure out values of land, uh, the pu- public involvement that I was talking about. And we look at um, relocating uh, some of our already existing infrastructure to better locations wherever we can. There's a lot of, uh, we we have substation properties that we acquire to bring power to new areas. As you know, the borough, Matsu borough is developing very quickly and new areas are being uh, developed with some really nice uh, residential areas. We're working to bring them power by buying new substation properties and bringing substations closer to them. Uh, And that to do that, it's substations are special properties where we have to do a little bit of environmental type of permitting and meaning that we need to study the ground. We need to do um, drill bore test holes and uh, do land analysis, look for contamination where necessary. We want to be. We want to be a good neighbor. So we, so we we go to the land, we study the land, pick the best location for the substation that has the least impact on a neighborhood. But ultimately, we are gonna be neighbors with a lot of folks.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. And and I can second that. I'll fast the Matsu Valley is is growing. It seems like new neighborhoods are getting punched in all sorts of places at all times, and those in neighborhoods need power. And so you guys are going to be busy. Mani, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. We've we've covered a lot of Um, a lot of information, but if you had like an an elevator ride from the ground floor to like the 20th floor of a high rise and you had to talk to someone about rights away, what would you want them to know? What would you tell them if you had just an elevator ride to tell them about their right away?
1: I'm going to the 20th floor. I want them to know that we are uh, trying to be considerate of all, um, there's, you know, to get to that 20th floor, you're going to cross a lot of different opinions on the way up and you're going to have a lot of ideas and not all of them are going to be ones that we can use but the ones that we can use we will implement so we try to be sensitive to our communities and um and and use the ideas that are offered wherever we can not every idea is going to be suitable for an electric or tran- electric transmission line or distribution line but we do consider them, and we want to be um, a good neighbor to to our community. And we listen, um, and as much as possible, we want to. Um, I guess here's here's I, we coined this phrase a while ago, but uh, our our job is to prevent trespass of any kind. And um, that's the last thing that the utility wants to do is trespass on somebody's property. So we go through a lot of steps to get to that point where we don't do that. And we talk to everybody that we can um, all the way up to that 20th floor.
0: Well, that's a good answer, Manny, and I, I appreciate that because I know from talking to our members across the state, there's so much that goes into making sure that those electrons meet the consumers in a safe and reliable way. and. Right-of-ways is is all part of it. So, Manny, we really appreciate you taking time today to join us on the Alaska Powerline Podcast. Thanks for being with us.
1: Michael, thank you very much for the invitation. I I hope uh, we have helped uh, expand the knowledge base for a lot of folks here.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much. We've been talking with Manny Lopez, Land Services Manager at Matanuska Electric Association. I'm Michael Rovito, Deputy Director of Alaska Power Association. You've been listening to the Alaska Powerline Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye, everybody.